Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, thanks for joining me here on Astros Baseball. In this episode, I'm going to talk about Jake Marisnik getting traded to the Mets and what we got for him. Um, Also, what about Josh Reddick? Is he going to be the next guy traded? Uh, the winter meetings start tomorrow or Monday, wherever you're, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, Thursdays, the Rule 5 draft. We're going to talk about that as well. And then I'm going to take a look at the Astros, um, how they've done as a team throughout the decades. And also, our new page, Astros Fanatics. I'm going to uh, read a couple of the stories uh, for you because I think it makes pretty good podcast material. So... That's what's coming up on this episode. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be right back. You're listening to Astros Baseball. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Astros Baseball. It's Sunday, December the 8th. I am your host, Rob Fontenot. Uh, Last night, we celebrated the wife's birthday, um, and we both drank quite a bit. We're not used to drinking, and I don't know if it's because we're getting older, but I'll just tell you, whatever fun we had last night, and we did have a lot, I don't regret it. It was a lot of fun, but we paid for it today. We paid for it dearly. Uh, So anyway, let's talk about the Astros. That's what the podcast is about. Let's talk about it. So something that surprised me, although... It's not really a surprise because I talked about it on the last podcast. The Houston Astros have traded Jake Marisnik to the New York Mets. So Jake Marisnik, Jake from Rake Farm, Jake Day, Jake the Snake, whatever you want to call him, fan favorite, very well loved, is now gone. So we talked about it on the last podcast, right? We talked about it. Um, I... I said if I was in charge, I would just go with Miles Straw. I, I didn't think they would do it, but like I said, uh, Jake Marisnik on the bench, three million. Miles Straw, five six hundred thousand. I mean, it's a no brainer. I mean, they're basically the same player. Miles Straw could possibly be a better hitter, but he also plays shortstop. So overall, I think it's a good deal, and so. What I had said when they gave him a contract, I was kind of surprised. I, I figured that they would go a mile straw. And I don't think I said this, but I did feel it. I go, maybe they could, because I really don't know if I said this, but I thought they could just sign him and trade him away and at least get something for him. And they did. They got two young kids. Uh, the first one, 24-year-old left-handed pitcher. Relief pitcher, so you know we need a lefty in the bullpen. Blake Taylor, he played uh, in three different levels of minor league baseball last year, uh, starting with A to AAA. A 216 
ERA in 40 outings. He had 10 saves. So could be a closer. Who knows? Uh, 24 walks to 74 strikeouts. Those are definitely closer numbers. Uh, so the Astros need it. I think they made a good a good trade here. The other guy, 19-year-old. 19-year-old outfielder, Kennedy Corona. He hit 301. This was his first professional season. 301 in uh, 63 games. 301, 14 doubles, three triples. I mean, four triples, uh, five homers, 19 stolen bases, an 868 OPS. So it looks like the young kid has some speed. And you've got uh, almost 20 stolen bases in 60 games, about 60 games. That's a stolen base about uh, every three games. I think that's pretty good. We'll take that. So we got a speedy young guy coming up. Uh, So according to Brian McTaggart, Taylor should be competing for a bullpen spot next season. So I guess he's not ready yet. And he said this move also opens up a spot for Miles Straw. We talked about that. So Miles Straw should take Jake Marisnik's spot. And I think it's a good deal. I think it worked out good. Um, It's also believed, this is in the same story, that the Astros will trade Reddick. We talked about this last time. They will trade Reddick and some of the $13 million he's owed. This would open up the door for Kyle Tucker to be a full-time starter in right field, along with Brantley and Springer. So I talked about this before, and what I had read before is that if they can't trade Reddick, that he could just be a bench guy. Because it's time. Last last episode, I said it's Tucker time. Tucker's going to start. Whether or not they're able to unload Reddick, I don't know. But like I said last time, they're probably going to have to pay. Because it's just one year. And I think whatever you give the other team may or may not count on your uh, payroll. I, I don't know. I think it does. I really don't know. But if I had to, if I had to bet... I would say that it does. So I would assume maybe someone might think he's worth seven. It'd be nice if somebody thought he was worth like eight or nine or ten. But I would think maybe, like try to think what you would pay Josh Reddick to be on your team. The way he plays now. I would say maybe five at the most. So I think the Astros are going to have to pay like eight million to a guy that's not on the team. But it opens up the spot. And I guess it saves $5 million. I don't know who's going to trade for uh, Josh Reddick and take all that $13 million. It's just not going to happen. All right. So the winter meetings start on Monday. They're in San Diego. And the Astros, as we all know, they'll be looking for pitchers and a starting catcher. We've known this all along. And at the end... And I didn't even realize that's when it was. I just learned this today. The end of the meetings, they have the Rule 5 draft. The Astros added four players the other day to the uh, 40-man roster to protect them. And they still have some decent guys on there. And uh, I don't know. Sometime after those, we'll let you know who leaves. 
But do I have this written down anywhere? No, I don't. So the Rule 5 draft, you... Okay, I, I had this written down somewhere else. Let me see. I had it as a talk to... Okay, so if you're not on the 40-man roster, then you are not protected from a Rule 5 draft. Uh, to be eligible to be a Rule 5 draft, you have to be signed at the age of 18 and play for five seasons. Or signed at 19 and have four seasons. So this, what this does, this is what happens. What this does is it stops you from having a guy in the minor leagues forever. So, you know, the Astros have some really good third basemen in uh, the minor leagues. You have Toro. You have Nick Tanalu. You have really good third basemen. And, you know, they can't protect them all. And you can't just sit there and hoard them forever. Or the poor guys will be in the minor leagues forever. So that's kind of why the rule is is here. And I think it I think it benefits the players overall. Give them a chance, don't let them be buried in the minor leagues forever. So the team that picks the guy up, they have to pay, let's say someone takes someone from the Astros. I know Ronnie Dawson, who's kind of struggled lately. He was I believe a second round pick for the Astros out of Ohio State. And uh, But he's not protected. So somebody could get him with the Rule 5 draft. They have to pay the Astros $100,000. And whoever they take, they have to stay on the 25-man roster. It's 26 now. I don't know why I wrote 25. 26-man roster the entire season. If they're not performing and they want to bring somebody else up to take their place, they have to offer the Astros, the player back for $50,000. So if the Astros want that guy back, they have to pay for him, which really they're just getting their, they're just giving the other team the money back that they paid them. So to me, this, like let's say you're into the Astros minor league system and there's guys down there that you really like. And if they're not on the roster, if they're not on the 40-man roster, it looks like like someone that just, let's say someone that went to college and they get drafted when they're 21 or something, maybe 20. Well, they're only going to be in the minor leagues for four years. And you have to call them up. So that's coming up. So we'll report that on the weekend, see if anybody got going. I, I don't really want to go through the list and tell you all the players that are available. Let's just see what happens. But I know there are some good ones. I know there are some good ones. And like I said, if they are, if they do get taken, more than likely they're going to be those infielders that we're not protecting. All right, so on Twitter, as you know, I'm on Twitter. Um, we we take a lot of beef. Us Astro fans, we take a lot of beef. So if you have Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. So earlier, I saw these two guys kind of bickering. And the guy, and I'm pretty sure he's a Yankees fan, and his tweet 
was, I guess he was talking about the Astro fan being confident or whatever he is. And he said that the Astros have done nothing for decades, decades. I think he said the last three decades. I guess I should have wrote it down. But he said the Astros have not been relevant in the last three decades. They haven't done anything. So that made me want to look things up. So I went online, and the Astros started in 1965. And from 1965, okay, let me tell you this first. The answer that I gave him was that the Astros had division titles in the 80s, the 90s, and they went to the World Series in 2005. So for you to say they haven't done anything for the last three decades is ignorant. I didn't say ignorant, but that's what it is. I think calling someone ignorant is better than calling them dumb because ignorant just means that you aren't aware, like you don't know. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means you don't know. So there's a lot of these people out there that think that the Astros have sucked forever because they don't know. They're probably like 20 years old and they don't remember. So if you are young, let's look back. I'm looking back. 65 to 79, nothing. We go to 1980. And the Astros, I found something really cool here, but the Astros, 1980, they went to the National League Championship. After all those years of never making the playoffs, 1980. And then 1981, they lost in the Divisional Series. 1981, hope I said that right. 1980, 1981, and then 1986. They lost in the NL Championship. So there's the decade of the 80s that they went to the National League Championship twice and they were in the Divisional Series. So I'm, I'm good so far. And then nine years later, 1997, uh, National Div- League Divisional Series, uh, 98 and 99. They was in they were in the divisional series and they got beat all three times. And this is when I was start becoming a fan. I, I started following the Astros in ninety-six. So it was a good time to start being a fan. And cause what I remember, because I was telling my wife this, I said, What I remember when I started watching the Astros, they were good. They were good every year. Biggio, Bagwell. So you got 97, 98, 99. And then you go to 2001, just two seasons later, they're in the Divisional Series again. 2004, they're in the National League Championship game. And then 2005, they go to the World Series and they get swept. But they made it. So you've got three playoff appearances in the 90s, followed by three in the 2000s. You've got National League Championship Series and a World Series, a World Series series. I was going to say a World Series series. Sounds weird, but they're in the World Series. So, like I said, I said they they did eighties, nineties, two thousand and five. So then you go nine more years to two thousand and fifteen. So the Astros. I'm not going to tell you that yet. So 
you know this, 2015, the divisional series, they lost to, I believe, the, I think this was the year they lost to Kansas City, and Kansas City had like 900 singles in a row. Uh, 98, I mean, 2017, they won the World Series, 2018, American League Championship, 2019, they lost the World Series. So it's three, 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 four. How can you tell someone that the Astros haven't done anything? I can't remember how he worded it, but they haven't done anything in three decades. And these people, their one go-to argument is that if they're talking to you and you're an Astro fan, you haven't been a fan You started. We're all, all of us, we're all guilty. We all became Astro fans in 2017. Because these guys, they don't know. They don't know. I guess they're too young. So let me tell you this. I, I don't know if you've dealt with this at all. If you're on Twitter, you have. So sometimes you get in a little Twitter beef with, I guess they're young kids. But they call you Boomer. Like it's some kind of insult. So I guess they're young kids. We're old people. We have our own opinion. And they don't agree with our opinion. And so they're, that's their big thing. They just say, okay, boomer. And what's crazy about this is for some reason, these people think that offends us. I don't know why. I can tell you this, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but I'm glad I was raised when I got raised. I'm glad I was a child in the 80s, or, or I guess late 70s, early 80s. Uh, we'd ride our bikes to school, we'd walk to school, and now you have 9,000 cars lined up, picking up the kids every day. The parents are super involved with that, which that is good. But like when I was a kid, we left the house, in the mornings, and we never came back. We were gone all day. These kids nowadays, not all of them, but, you know, they play on the computer. They play on the iPads. They play Xbox. Like when I was a kid, we had fun. We were riding our bikes, making ramps, uh, and you'd go out and play till the porch light comes on. We all know about that. And uh, I'm just glad. So if you call me a boomer, You're not offending me at all. I mean, you can enjoy it and think you burn me all you want, but I don't care. And if you're older like me, I'm 48, you, you, you're not going to care. You, you don't care at all. So one more thing before we take a quick break. I know I, I told you that me and Wheelhouse are now partners in the Astros Fanatic webpage or whatever it's called, blog. And the second part... I posted some things on there, and I'm going to read those to you. I'm going to, because it makes good material. It's good material for the podcast as well, just in case you don't check that out. But before I do, at the very top of this page, the very, very top of the page, but before I say this, I was watching uh, MLB Network, and they were asking the experts Do you think that a deal gets done for Garrett Cole during the winter meetings? And I said it earlier, the winter meetings are over on Thursday. So it's possible that Garrett Cole will sign a contract by Thursday. So 
It's all over the news. It's all over social media. The Yankees are all in. The Yankees want Garrett Cole. They're going to pay him whatever it takes. They're going to go over the luxury tax, whatever they got to do. They do not care. Uh, The first offer that's been reported, seven years. I also heard a report that Garrett Cole wanted eight. Seven years, $245 million. Can you imagine that, folks? $245 million. This guy is going to be very rich for the rest of his life. His kids will be very rich, unless he does like some sports guys do and blow it all. Because there's there's guys that used to make tons of money that don't have any more. I guess the guys in the older days didn't make $35 million a year like Garrett Cole's getting ready to. I, I've heard the money could go up to $40 million. But anyway, 35 is good. JV makes 31. So I'm just telling you, there's no way the Astros are going to keep this guy. They're not going to get him. The Yankees, uh, I, I bet they will pay $300 million. I mean, they want him bad. And here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing to me. That, you know how after the uh, World Series loss, they were interviewing Garrett Cole, and he didn't have his Astro stuff on. He was wearing the Scott Boris hat, and he was like, I'm a free agent now. I'm not even a member of the team. Kind of acting like a jerk. Kind of rubbed some of us the wrong way. Just think about this. Think about how much that guy loves his luscious locks. He loves that that hair flipping out in the back, his long, luxurious mane, and his beard. He has a beard. He don't have a huge Evan Gaddis beard, but he's got a beard. Well, let me tell you this. He's got to cut that hair, and he's got to shave that beard if he plays for the Yankees. I'll be right back. You're listening to Astros Baseball. And we're back. So one thing I forgot to say, I uh, I had it written down here, but somehow I skipped over it. Uh, 2020, in the final year of the contract for Yuli Gurriel, they reached a contract one year, $8 million. Uh, he was going to be here either way, but they just kind of got it out of the way before they had to do the arbitration or negotiate. So they just, $8 million, last season of his contract. Uh, so... After this season, the 2021 free agents, Yuli Gurriel, George Springer, Michael Brantley, Reddick, Peacock, uh, Mariznick was on the list, but he's off because we traded him. Uh, I think, like I said, Reddick might be off of this list. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could see them uh, trying to keep Brantley. I guess it just depends on how good the... uh, outfielders are in the minor leagues so we'll see but I already I already said something about Springer last time but anyway anyway let me go with this um as you know I started the Astros fanatics dot wordpress.com website uh teamed up 50 50 with uh wheelhouse and uh so 
we posted a couple of stories and I thought that it would be good material to talk about on the podcast just in case you're not a fan of the website. So there are some new rules coming into the league and the question is, are these good or bad for the game? So let's just, before I talk too much and answer the question before I tell you what it says, here's the new rules. A pitcher must either face at least three batters or pitch to the end of the half inning. What I said is this rule is intended to speed up the game, which I don't think is a problem. I believe managers should be able to utilize whatever strategy they want in order to win games. So my opinion is, okay, it'll speed up the game. I don't have a problem with that. I think the game's okay as it is, but... Speeding it up in that sense is okay with me. It's not pitch clocks and all this other stuff. I'm okay with it. However, it takes away strategy. It takes away having that left-handed pitcher that all he does is face one batter. I mean, if it's the third hitter in the inning and it's the last out, he could do it. But it kind of... If there's some guys that are really good lefties that are only good to pitch to lefties, I mean, they're in trouble. That's what that's kind of what Tony Sipp used to do. Uh, so we'll see. So now, moving forward, you're going to have to be able to pitch to lefties and righties. But just like the, the shift, a lot of people don't like the shift. It does take away a lot of the offense, but it's the team strategy. It's the team strategy, and they use it to win the game. I mean, you have to try and win the games. That's the number one idea. That's the number one goal is to win the games. And that's why you have strategy. And But people want to take it away. They want to take it away to uh, make it more exciting, have more runs. But I don't know if Major League Baseball would do it. Because if you have more runs and you have more excitement, the games are going to be longer. So, for some reason, the MLB is, I was going to use another terminology, but they are uh, excited. I don't know. I don't know what word to use because I, I can't use the word I was going to use. But they, they just want to speed the game up. And I think it's to attract a new generation. But you know how to attract a new generation? You take your kids to the games. You play catch with your kids. You go buy baseball cards with your kids. Get your kids outside. Play baseball with them. Take them to the games. My wife didn't watch baseball at all, and she loves the game now. She loves going to them, and she loves watching them on TV. She doesn't find it boring. It's good. It's good the way it is. The the biggest thing about liking baseball and watching it You have to love a team. You have to have a favorite team. Because even for me, if I'm watching, as much as I like baseball, I can't watch two teams I don't care about. I mean, I can watch them, but I won't sit there and and you watch it for four hours. So maybe that's their idea. So anyway, Wheelhouse, he said, this rule in my mind will be the most impactful. The game has changed and the situational left-hander has become a major chess piece in the manager's game plan. 
teams will go out and sign a left-handed right uh, left-handed relief pitcher to just face one batter. So that's just exactly what I said. So maybe next time I'll read what he put before I say anything because I almost answered his question for him. But yeah, I mean, it just takes away the the guy's job if he's a left-handed specialist and it takes away the strategy. So he thinks it's impactful. And I, I don't really think it's that impactful. I think it'll impact him, but I don't have a problem with it. If you're a professional pitcher, you should be able to pitch to left-handers and right-handers. I don't even think that a left-handed specialist should even... You should even be proud to be one of those. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Teams must label each one of their roster spots as pitcher, position player, or a two-way player. Right now, there's just pitcher and position player. So a two-way player must have a record of one season with at least 20 innings pitched and 20 games started with three plate appearances or more as a position player or DH. So if you see this rule, you must have a record of one season with 20 innings pitched. So as you remember, J.D. Davis... And Tyler White, they could pitch for us. We used to use them, but now you couldn't. But if you truly want to use these guys, you're going to have to... See, I don't know. You're, you're, you, you, you take this totally away with this rule. Because you... There's no way to go get 20 innings because they're not allowed. That's what I was thinking. Go, we'll let them go get 20 innings and then they can be a pitcher. But they can't pitch. They can't, you can't be labeled a two-way player because you haven't pitched 20 innings. So you would have to label these guys as a pitcher the whole year. So it's impossible. It's impossible. This, it's over. So let's see what our answers was. Or let's see what our answers were. Sorry about that. So I said, this rule change will keep teams from using position players in blowout games. I don't have an issue with this change. However... I'm sure the managers would rather save their bullpen arms in this situation. So you're losing 20 to 1 in the fifth inning. The best strategy is to throw your third baseman out there. Throw your backup catcher. Just throw someone out there and save your arms, save your bullpen arms for a game that's out of hand. I think that's very good strategy. I don't understand why... They want to make this change. I don't know if it's because... Well, let's see what Brett has. Let's see what uh, Wheelhouse has to say. He wrote Brett on here. Uh, When I first read this rule, I got lost in the details and my non-scholastic mind had a hard time following what this rule was saying. MLB teams have made it a regular routine to use position players instead of relief pitchers in meaningless games. This rule doesn't make sense other than trying to speed things up. He agrees with me that managers won't like this rule change. So how can it speed the game up by not allowing this to happen? I guess there's some situations where the guy comes in and he gives up five or six runs and that makes the game longer. You know what game, you know what rule that they should incorporate 
Do you remember being in Little League and getting run rolled? I don't know what it was, but you're down like 10 runs after three innings. That It's a run roll. Just let them give up. If you're down 19 to 1 after five innings and you throw a, a, a position player out there, you've already surrendered the game. Just let them quit. Let them quit if they want to. That's basically what they're doing, but they're not allowing them to do it. So now you have to use, which you know what's going to happen. They're going to take, like, let's say it was this season coming up. Let's say Chris Davinsky is in the bullpen. They're going to make Chris Davinsky throw six innings and blow his arm out and then go back to the minor leagues for a while. And then they're call someone to replace them because they don't have they they don't have the luxury of using the position players to do it. So I don't really care for this rule now that I'm getting deeper into it. But I'm I'm okay with it. Rules are rules. They're pitchers. You know they're they're pitchers. But I just what I don't like about it is they don't have an opportunity. I don't know if you can label someone as a pitcher. And then let them get their 20 innings. This is a possibility. I don't know why you would want to do it, but maybe. Like, let's say we had Tyler White still. We labeled him a pitcher. He got his 20 innings in, and then we label him a two-way player. I guess that's how you could do it. But you'd have to give up somebody for 20 20 innings. Uh, So anyway, new rule. The minimum time on the injured list for pitchers will increase from 10 days to 15. The 10-day injured list will still exist for position players. So it's only pitchers. And why are they doing this? Let's look at our let's look at our uh, responses before I get into this. The rule will impact teams a lot in my opinion. Before, if a pitcher was sore or having problems, uh, the team could just put him on IL. I was going to say IR, but put him on the injured list. He could just, let's say they had a sore elbow. Like, man, my elbow's really sore. They could just put him on the IL for 10 days, bring someone in to pitch for him, and then the next time in the rotation, they bring him back in. So now, if it's 15 days, you're talking about two weeks, and you're talking about this guy missing two starts. So I think it's very impactful. So Wheelhouse said, I like the spot starts and the team's ability to bring a guy up to start here or there and get some MLB exposure. It does cut down on teams being able to rest a pitcher and skip a start. Again, altering managerial moves in this area that are done simply to rest an arm. Now, when a pitcher is required to miss two starts, the ball club has to make a more calculated decision. So there you go. You have to decide. I think that's it. You have to decide is, you know, is me giving up two games, two uh, starts for this guy worth me letting him rest? Because you could be playing like, Let's say, I don't want to be mean to anybody, but let's say you're playing like Seattle. I think Garrett Cole did it. I think he took a game off and they brought and they brought someone up 
But let's say you're like, okay, we're playing Seattle. You're scheduled to start Wednesday. We'll put you on IL for the next three days. And then Wednesday, by the time your start comes around, it'll be 10 days. They can put you on right after your start. The day after your start. And then that's what, 10, you got nine days or whatever. So anyway, let's go to this. The next story, I wrote uh, staff predictions. So I asked, I asked these questions, and I was actually going to have both of us answer it. But what's funny is we both kind of had the same idea of doing like a staff picks and a staff answer kind of thing. So we were both working on it at the same time. So we just left this one as me asking questions, just like the old days on the podcast, and having Wheelhouse answer it. So number one, who will be the Astros starting catcher in 2020? He said he believes Robinson Chirinos will be brought back simply because he is Justin Verlander's favorite backstop. In my mind, I can't see why you wouldn't bring him back. I didn't I don't see them trading prospects or spending a ton of money for a better hitting catcher. Essentially, that's what you'll be looking for. We have a we have defensive options like Torino's we can bring back, especially when you've made deep playoff runs and appeared in two World Series in three seasons without going into the deep end of the catching pool. And I just remembered something, but they said something about, there it is, it's been rumored that the Astros might go for a trade with Wilson Contreras with the Cubs. So keep an eye on that. They might make a trade. And let me tell you this. The other day I had said that James McCann, they could make a deal with Detroit. It's actually the White Sox. As soon as I was, I was listening to the podcast on the way to work, I always listen to them, uh, you know, see how they sounded or whatever. And, and I was like, oh, man, that guy plays for the White Sox, not the Detroit Tigers. Uh, so anyway, I realize that. I apologize. But you know I mess up all the time. Uh, so anyway, what team will Garrett Cole sign with? He said Garrett Cole will sign with the Yankees or the Dodgers. As much as it makes me sick to think about it, until I see otherwise, I don't see him going anywhere else. The Astros would be his top choice, but they won't spend the money. If they do, I'd love to be wrong here. The Yankees seem pretty relentless in their pursuit. Cole wants to be a contender. He is not, in caps, in not going to the Angels. He's not. He's going to be a Yankee. That's my opinion as well. I think the Dodgers can, uh, I don't know if they will. I don't know. I don't know if they will. I think they might make a, a bid for him as well. I think he's met with both teams, so they both are ready to go. Uh, what do you expect from Kyle Tucker in 2020? He said he expects Kyle Tucker to be the everyday right fielder, hit 70-plus RBIs, hit for 270 to 293. I don't know where he got those numbers. Connect for at least 24 homers and still 15 to 25 bases. He will make the opening day roster and will be here to stay. Uh, Luno has expressed that he has to prove himself offensively, and he will have plenty of opportunity to do that in 2020, and like I said, Tucker time, he will start. Will the Astros extend the contract of George Springer, or is this the last season in Houston? Remember the other day, I said no. Is he going to sign? No. That was my answer. I don't think it's going to happen. 
But Will Howe says the Astros will extend George Springer this offseason. Possibly in spring training, much like Alex Bregman and Altuve, I'm positive they are in discussions with him now. In an interview I did with Adam Clanton of Sports Talk 790 on his podcast, uh, H-Town Wheelhouse, a Stroh's 411 podcast, he spoke of the relationship A.J. Hinch has with George Springer, and he believes that since Springer is like a son to Hinch, that he'll do anything he can to ensure Springer stays in Houston, and I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. I mean, like I said, he is... He is the heart of Houston. I mean, I can't imagine him playing with anyone else. It's going to cost, I think he made $20 million. It's going to cost $20 million. And how long do you keep him? I mean, he's going to be like 31. Do you sign a four-year deal? That's $80 bucks. I don't know. I don't know what he'll take. That's, that, that remains to be seen, how much George Springer. I mean, maybe... They let him hit free agency, and and he can go out and see what he can make, and maybe the Astros have to ma- uh, match it. I don't know, but Wilhouse seems to think that they're going to sign him in the off season, and I don't know. But I do believe if they're going to do it, they're going to do it in the off season. Uh, when they had the same problem with Dallas Keuchel, he said, "I'm either going to sign a deal with the Astros in the off season or not at all. I'm not going to neg- negotiate with them during the season." And he never signed with. Uh, question numero cinco. Uh, how do you feel about Jake Marisnik being traded to the Mets? Jake Marisnik is exciting. Oh, Jake Marisnik's exiting seemed inevitable. He eats up payroll and provides a minimal spark at the plate. Jake is a guy on your roster the fans love and flash defensively on a regular basis. So a lot of fans are going, are, uh, going to not like the move. I don't mind much him going to the Mets. I think as long as at least one of the two players the Astros gets in return gives you something, then that's a win for Houston. We will miss saying, here's Jake from Rake Farm. It was fun while it lasted. Uh, I'm okay with it. I already talked about it earlier. I kind of didn't realize I was going to talk about this again, but I'm okay with it. And that's a good point. As long as one of these two guys contributes and like we said the uh what's the pitcher's name Blake Taylor he's gonna probably be in the bullpen next year and as long as he as long as he does something if you're on the roster it's a good trade because Marisnik was gonna leave next year anyway because they weren't gonna sign a bench player for three four million dollars however much he wants but I do wish Jake Marisnik luck I hope he does well And I don't know if he said this in here, but I like it. I like it when our players go to the National League because we don't have to worry about playing them all the time, if that makes sense. Maybe maybe you want them to play in the American League so you can see them when they come to town. So I don't know. It's kind of iffy. It's kind of iffy. But the way I'm talking about it, the what I mean by what I'm saying is if they're in the National League then we can root for them. We can root for the team that they're on to do well because they're in the National League. And then we can root against them if we get to the World Series. So I'm not going to harp on it, and I don't know how long it's going to take. 
but no one's heard anything about the investigations. Uh, getting tired of reading about it. There's, I mean, even the rumors have slowed down. Uh, the bickering, the bickering between the fans hasn't slowed down at all. Uh, but anyway, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm pretty. I just want to get it over with. Like, just tell us what's going to happen. These these guys think we're going to lose draft picks and get suspended and fired and removed from the playoffs. We're going to lose our World Series trophy. It's, it can't be anything like that. I've already said it before. The Red Sox. The same year the Red Sox got caught using smartwatches to seal signs. So you know that it was going on. You know it was going on. All right. Well, that's all the time I have for today, folks. I hope you did enjoy this podcast. Jake Marisnik traded. Yuli Gurriel signed for another year. All of this exciting stuff. Rule 5 draft. Look it up. Rule 5 draft on Thursday. Take a look. Go to Astros.com. You can probably find a list of all the players uh, that might get uh, taken. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it on Thursday. And uh, that's about it. So I do appreciate all of you listening. And we will see you next time on Astros Baseball. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.